Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about D&D 50th anniversary. 50th anniversary. Wow. Yeah, it's a while, huh? D&D was born in 1974 or published in 1974. It says so on the little white box and on the books. A little white box and the books. Well, the, the first boxes weren't white, but yes. And Born was role-playing games, even though people contest it was role-playing. There may or may not have been the first role-playing game, blah, blah, blah. But it is has stayed the most popular one for a long time. Uh, it did lose a little bit when Pathfinder came out in 4th edition. But it, with 5th edition, D&D came roaring back, roaring back, and is literally the most popular role-playing game in the world. The world, he says. <laughs> and, you know, it is just very popular, right? You go to the internet and there's people playing D&D 5th edition everywhere, right? Uh, Critical Role, there's the Glass Canyon podcast, and everybody, and there's all these groups who are getting a lot of people watching them play D&D. And it's also... Uh, Culturally, it has become more acceptable or, I don't know, it's not seen as a, such a negative as it was when I was growing up in the late 70s and the 80s as far as being a person who played D&D. It wasn't such a negative stigma, right? Now people are like, oh, that, that's what role playing is. Oh, you're not in a dank what is it? Basement. Basement. Uh, you know, with a bunch of goofballs doing weird things. It's just people talking. Now you're in your living room or dining room with uh, those goofballs doing the, weird things. Oh, the kitchen. And, and you're doing weird things, but it's not like really weird, right? You're just sitting around talking, uh, creating stories together. And that's pretty neat. So what's changed in this last 50 years? A lot has changed, right? Uh, I would say the rules being one of the number one thing. All role-playing games have additions, and D&D is, was, is, was the first one. Well, original, oh, original D&D had... Did it go to second edition and then AD&D? No, it went to original D&D, and then what... I'm not going to go into the, the, all the additions and stuff, but there was original D&D in the little white boxes, and then it came out with the basic set, expert set. Right, the, the like intermediary between that and A D and D. I never got the box set. My friend Sip and Esteban got the box set, the basic set, the blue box, and they played that on their own because they didn't have the rules that we did. Because uh, we, my brother had photocopied, but it wasn't photocopy. I guess photocopied back then the little books, and then finally we got the little books. But by then we were moving on to A D and D because we got the player's handbook. Um, I'm sorry, we got the the Dungeon Master's Guide, I think, first, and then the Player's Handbook, and then the Monster Manual came out. And they were pretty expensive, and as kids, you know, we couldn't really afford to buy them, and my friends couldn't buy them. So they, they got a box set that was, you know, twelve ninety nine or something that had all the rules you needed to get it to fifth or sixth level or something, and that's what they played. So the additions, you know, there's all kinds of additions, but for a game that's been 50 years, there's not very that many additions. There's only... Because we're only at fifth edition, right? Yeah, but they they don't include. I understand the little the the original and AD and D is uh, 
is two editions, and then there's the boxes sets. So that's one, two, three, and then there's second edition. So add three. So there's eight editions of D and D. So the rules, right? So the rules came from a war game, uh, which was chain mail, and then they added role playing elements to that. They collated ideas. Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Uh, they were playing m- relatively close to each other, supposedly. And there's all kinds of information about those two guys making D&D. They made D&D. Dave Arneson and Gygax are on the original th- three little books. And then by, I mean, in the box, the, the white box set. And by the time AD&D, Gygax was the one in on the credits for AD&D. But there was like a, and Dave Arneson too kind of thing. And then uh, Dave Arneson was like kind of like bought out and stuff. And there's all kinds of stuff about that. But as far as the rules, it came from a war game, uh, war game roots. Yes. So some of the rules were kind of weird, kind of clanky. But at the time, that's what people were, people were playing war games. So it was, so it's, it wasn't as clanky as you might think. Right for them, it was just an offset of uh, of uh, war game rules. Yeah, to account for heroic characters in the game, and then slowly evolved away from this war game into this role playing game, where the the main theme is not this large war battle, let's say, going on where heroes can actually influence the battle. It basically just says, well, let's focus on the heroes and not even worry about this make it a battle type of game because those will just appear naturally <laughs> so the rules were kind of you know that they were complex and it, because and it was a new idea very hard to convey what role-playing was to somebody who had never even heard of it well, like what is it well we're playing games where we use our imagination and dice and, and figures for characters are like and, and, and you can imagine People go, wow, whoa, that's crazy talk or whatever. And for many years, D&D was very, very much in that in that camp, right? It was this rules heavy. The AD&D had all kinds of rules, all kinds of optional rules. When did a third edition come out? 2000. Okay, so AD&D is the one with the demon on the cover. Yes. So that's the one that hit the 80s, yeah, the 1980s that, I, when the... The satanic, satanic panic yes. happened, and everyone was like, don't let your kids do that. I think those books were published in 1978, 1979. So even though I started playing in 1978, right, I started playing in 1978. I, my brother and me in Salinas, California, we had no game store. We had a hobby store. and Salinas is always 10 years behind everybody yeah, yeah, else. at least. So we didn't have uh, ability to buy the books, but my brother had access to the little white box booklets and that's what we played at the time and then it wasn't until maybe a couple years later i don't remember uh 1980 1981 uh i was in junior high when we were when he uh saw the must have been the mouse manual it was either at walden books or b dalton in the mall they had it and yeah my brother bought it because he had a job i think at the time yeah and then we switched we slowly switched our put characters to AD&D because it was a different set of rules really right and then uh, then we never stopped playing AD&D we played that until 2000 when third edition came out we didn't touch second edition so in your experience you really only played 
the original AD&D, and then you played third edition. You, so you never touched second edition, and you didn't like you didn't get even buy fourth edition. No, I didn't buy fourth edition. So you skipped editions until fifth edition came out, and someone gave it to you for your birthday. Right. And I wasn't even touching And Saul so was like, we're playing Pathfinder. We're not going to get it. Yeah, I'm not going to go back to D&D because I have all of these Pathfinder books. Yeah, I invested a lot of money, and they're still I'm in the bookcase. The, the, we're still in my bookcase, the Pathfinder books. And it's a good foot and a half of books. Yep. Right? And I those books I didn't buy like on eBay or anything. I bought them at the store. Yeah. So I, you know, I paid full price, and so it's quite an investment. And so when somebody gave it to me, I said, "Mike, thank you for giving it to me." I think it was Shannon. No, it was Mike. Oh, was it Mike? Mike, Chris's friend, Mike. Oh. Right. Uh, not not that. Does Mike? <laughs> there's like in my life, there's like seven or eight Mikes. So. Uh, yes. You know who you are. <laughs> So he gave me the book for, for my birthday, August 12th, and I didn't look at it because we were playing Pathfinder. I'm like, oh, I go, thank you. And I put it on my shelf right over there, my son's bookshelf, for whatever reason, when he was, I don't know. I don't know what year it came out. What year did D&D come out? Let me look at my book. So around 2014 or 15, this guy gave me the book in August because it was my birthday. And... It sat on the shelf for six months. For about six months, right? Until and Augustine decided to look goes, at it. He's like, yeah, what's this? I go, oh, uh, Mike gave it to me for my birthday. He goes, have you looked at it? I go, no. He goes, can I look at it? I go, sure. I go, but we're staying with Pathfinder. He goes, okay. <laughs> so he re- he's reading the book. He's reading the book. And then he goes, this is really neat system, Dad. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, it's really neat. It's, just, it's a lot easier, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what he said. I don't remember exactly. And I'm like, uh, no, right? We're not going to. So let's try it. Indeed, when I'm running, when I, cause I was the GM, when I'm running games, Pathfinder compared to 5th edition, 5th edition is so much easier, right? In a certain sense. And I read the rules and I'm like, yeah, okay. And then we, we switched. And, and now we have a shelf full of Pathfinder and a shelf full of 5th edition. 5th edition, yes. But I think what what 5th edition does is it took all of the ideas that had been floating around since right. 2000 when 3rd edition, I guess, did 3.5. They did 3.5, yeah. When all of these new newfangled ideas, right, about right. how role-playing should be and how it should be simpler for the player to have more chance to actually participate in role-playing instead of looking up stuff. And doing, what do you call it? Simulated stuff. Right. Less crunchy, more role-playing. Right. Simpler. Simpler rules, too. Yeah. Right. Advantage, Let, disadvantage. Instead of in Pathfinder, you got feats and all kinds of things. Well, you still have feats in D&D, but there's less number crunching, right? Yeah. You don't get a plus for this situation, a plus for that. My feet gives me a plus three for this or, and, and things like that. And those kind of things just kind of slow down stuff. Like if you're trying to run a fast paced game because someone will be you'll be in the middle of a battle and someone goes, I forgot to add my plus three to my <laughs> yes, to that this. Does happen. And so the, a good a good GM or, or a GM who wants to move things along will say, OK, remember next time. But sometimes they'll go, OK, let's go back and redo it. Right. Yes. So. The rules, right? They, they've definitely changed over the years from a, a game obviously born out of a war game mentality or roots to a more storytelling yes. uh, type of game. 
And that has changed who is attracted to it, right? So instead of this number-heavy, crunching, tactical, tabletop element, it became more, it, it could become more of a, of sitting around a table, telling me what you're doing. Okay, I understand. And th there is a mechanic for combat, roll your dice, and it does take a while, slow down the game, right? You have, all of a sudden, time is compressed. You are, or it, actually not compressed but time is like expanded so you, you are role playing rounds six second increments of time instead of just saying oh i'm gonna go to the the bar or the tavern on the corner it'll take me an hour to get there or whatever which is one of the most exciting things about playing D D, right or any game when you're you've done this you've gotten somewhere and all of a sudden so your gm says everybody roll initiative and there's an excitement that goes around the table like oh now i get to use all those cool things that i put right. into my character and i get to do these things yeah totally true yeah and 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 that is that is dungeons and dragons right this it's a mainly a combat heavy game but because the rules had changed so you don't really have to run it that way. A lot of people don't run it that way, right? They'll they'll just kind of they'll run, they'll do the combats and stuff like that, and it's exciting. But a lot of people still now like the the role playing aspect, the storytelling aspects, and that's what is really big. That's what really has expanded the people who play D and D is that it's not just this person who really likes math or likes tactics or likes history. It's somebody who just likes socializing telling stories with each other and experiencing things so in that sense the rules have changed to make it easier to, to kind of do both right because now you don't need a calculator to do all these numbers and crunching and stuff it, it kind of moved away from that to a more storytelling aspect which made the audience a lot wider in my opinion you use a term it lowered the barrier to entry yes, or yes, yeah yes. And it did, right? When you look at all these weird rules and, and the way they, t they try to explain the rules to 5th edition, 5th edition is a much better written set of rule books than any previous edition. Yes. Right? Just the way it is. So I think that's important to realize that the rules... Have evolved. Have evolved, right. And 5th edition, people have said it before, and I, I was like, well, I don't know about that. And they say, well, 5th edition is the best set of D&D rules that's ever existed. And I'm like, and I hesitantly say yes, because if you're looking at the bar to entry into role-playing games, into fantasy role-playing games, D&D &D is a much better rule set than original D&D, &D, like I said, than any other set of rules before it. It also, <laughs> saying that, I just would like to point out that there are a lot of people out there who have the idea that they don't particularly like that. They want to go back to the OSR people. They want to go back to the original kind of thing where it's harder and there's more there's more math involved and there's more it's a little bit more grittier you die easier that kind of thing right I th yeah i think it's a play style issue not necessarily a rule issue right and but they blame the rules for it because the rules make your character tougher right mm -hmm. you start off with a very competent character unlike original D&D where you could get killed with one arrow right boom you're dead up oh. No death saves. Nope, nope, you're dead. Zero hit points, you're dead. Right? I mean, that's just all there was to it. AD&D, they try to uh, mitigate that by going, you could, you could as optional rules, go into negative 10, 10, and then you're totally dead. 
But somebody has to get to you, and somebody has to uh, render first aid in those 10 rounds. And you can still get damaged. Right. So. But I- D&D, so D&D, your characters are much tougher when they start off. In 5th edition. In 5th edition. Yeah. And you're harder to kill. So so that's a playing style, right? Those those people that want to have a more grittier, oh, you can die with one arrow kind of game, then they like to go back. They hearken back to the those original ones, right? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the struggling. Yes. For, for, and making decisions that make, man, I don't want to get in a fight because <laughs> I'm going to die. I don't remember that being a big deal in our games. I don't remember, like, man, we shouldn't get in a fight because <laughs> we were kids, right? We were like, yeah. We can always roll up another character. <laughs> uh, no. I was pretty attached to my character, so I don't know. Maybe I think Felipe was just really lenient on us until he killed my character, and I was totally upset about it. Yeah, so I think it's a play style that they want to, they don't like. They don't like the superheroic, yeah, I can do anything I want at, at the beginning. They like that struggle at the beginning. To earn your stripes, you right. know, sort of thing. Like to earn your place to be a hero, and that's that's all it is. It's a play style issue. Players, right? This, another thing that's changed is players. I know people tell me that there were girls playing when uh, in the eighties. I know, I know for a fact there are were because people tell me, oh, I played. You know, women tell me that they played when they were in the eighties, and I'm like, wow, okay, me. I never saw it, honestly. I didn't see it until 1983. 83? 83, when I went to a convention called Pacificon in the Bay Area, which attracted about 1,000, 1,500 people. And I remember one lady playing, young lady. Well, I was one of those girls in the 80s playing because my brother wanted... It was a nerd. My brother was not a nerd. <laughs> um <laughs> They needed somebody, so my brother says, you have to come with me. And I literally, that's what happened, is I went and played yeah. D&D. I did go and play in some kid's basement. <laughs> so, there you go. But you were, you, were, you were kind of dragged because your brother wanted to play and he needed more players. Yes. I think maybe in, in a certain And that was sense, the only reason I went. <laughs> I think you're right. I think my circumstance was uh, I didn't have sisters near my age. The right. closest brother was four, five. five years older than me. And everybody else was out of the house by that time, right? I, no, well, maybe, more or less. All my older siblings. So that experience didn't happen. And then it just, it was it was considered a nerdy endeavor, right? It was only nerds play that game and then because people didn't understand it right and it, and it wasn't seen it was nerdy it was uh, seen as antisocial because sometimes nerds are antisocial and it had this very and it had this very negative aspect to it it wasn't seen as a positive aspect being a nerd back then so you know those kind of people were t- put in trash cans that didn't happen to me I never saw anybody put in a trash can uh, I don't know for being such a backward city to live in i just i didn't ever saw that kind of behavior but i didn't tell people i played D, right and my friend who when i who i my friend mike who i also knew in high school he still cringes if you tell people he plays D. I, I don't know i don't know if he does or not i don't think he does but maybe he does but like i remember uh my my friends we were we were playing when we were uh, when i was what 10 78, 11, I was 11, and we were still in grammar school. By the time I was in junior high, 
I was like, no, nobody needs to know. But they tried to start a, a D&D club in junior high, and I was asked to help them run games, but I was in a different period. Don't, junior high is strange. But anyway, that didn't happen. But later on, I met Mike through Felipe, through David, and all these people. And all these people, and we just played with them amongst ourselves. And none of those guys, none of them... Announced it to the world that they played d and I don't think so. And there was not a girl to be seen. So that was my personal experience. Again, I lived in a very conservative agricultural town. So Fast forward by, what, 30 years? And now... 40 years even. D&D has, it has changed. One, all of those, those gamers have had kids and exposed a lot of kids to that. And two, the internet happened. And yes. So that's how players have found D&D now is through YouTube and Twitch and different kinds of things. Right. Or their parents. And, and it's changed the, the perspective of... Right. So when you have... When, back in the very beginning, I remember it was like a college students, right? D&D was a... I mean, this is when I was in... When I first heard stories about D&D. Uh, it's a college student game. Mainly white guys mm-hmm. played it. And then, of course, it would shift to... It would, you know, it went down to the to the high schoolers, which that was me and my friends and we were well i'm not white but a lot of white people were playing it uh and then the old grognards were like old war gamers right and they were usually white people who were playing that game but now when you look at like you look at youtube or you look at people streaming you see everybody playing right it's not this homogeneous population it's more diverse it's much more diverse and i think a lot of it has to do with just the exposure the internet right the internet really changed uh, not just the internet but youtube and um well that's part of the internet no i know but specifically people being able to see right things versus forums right right (laughs) right correct and what what i think happened is people saw people playing and they're like oh Oh, they're not so weird. They're just talk- sitting around talking yes. and being goofy. And being goofy. And I think that really changed uh, the makeup of of who would want to play. I mean, everybody would like, oh, yeah, we could do that. And it was fun. And so it made it expose more people to it. And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, let me try that game. I, that sound, looks like fun. So, you know, I don't have to dress in costume and wear ears. I don't have to go to somebody's basement. I mean, literally, people thought that's what everybody did. Even in California, which we don't have basements usually. Well, sometimes, but. Yeah, we do actually in California, but old houses have basements. Yeah. (laughs) I think the players have shifted from that real homogeneous early players to anybody and everybody, which is really neat. And then uh, another thing that has changed is image, right? The image of D&D, the nerdy weirdos playing in basements to being mentioned on really popular TV shows, right? Even Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. And I think and then there was that other one, the one with the the college, the junior college, what was it called? It was before Big Bang Community? Theory. Yes, that was it. Yes. They had quite a few episodes about D&D and stuff. Yes. Yes, and it, and even if it was like making fun of D and D, it exposed people to D and D again, right? Cause, right. And and not in this satanic panic me- message, but like, oh, it's funny, you know, it's funny. And then like people were interested in it. And in the Big Bang, and then uh, what was that the the scary kid show? Um, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. They were playing D and D in it, and it was centered around this theme of D and D. 
and I think the image of it became different, right? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, and became it, more pop culture. Pop culture, correct. And that changed the way people looked at D and D. It wasn't this sinister game from the eighties that caused you people to kill themselves and join the demonic cults and try to <laughs> throw evil spells on people. It was just fun, entertaining things that people did to use their imagination. So that negative aspect of being a nerd is not so much a negative aspect. It's like, oh, it's like cool almost. I don't know if it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But it's more acceptable. It's not seen as it's a negative light. That has changed. Interaction, I think the perception of what people did because of the shows, because watching on YouTube, D&D has, has gone from being this weird little cultish kind of a game to oh people are just together socializing interacting with each other using their imagination and basically telling the story so when i remember i still remember to this day we were playing at our friend's house and mike's house and his significant other was there and she would hardly ever pay attention to what we we're doing right we invited her to play no 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 and at one time one of her friends came over and they were like in the kitchen and we were in the living room kind of and we were playing and then and then, like, all of a sudden, they were being quiet because they stopped talking. And I'm like, and then we were like, are we being too loud? And he goes, no, I don't know. So we were playing. And then, they, then he, she had, like, three, two or three friends over. And then they came out, and they started watching us. And they're like, all you guys are just, like, talking and just telling the story. I'm like, yeah. They were teachers, by the way. Yes, they were. <laughs> they were teachers. <laughs> and then, like, well, that's, the, the, uh, like, they, they this, like, like the light bulb went off. And this was, uh, what, 10, 15 years ago? Like, uh, not long, longer. longer. It was 20 years ago. Yeah. 21 years ago. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, a little bit longer. And it was just strange that they were like, oh. I go, do you want to play? They still didn't want to play because there was still a lot of rules. We were playing uh, third edition at the time or probably just D&D, AD&D. And uh, it was kind of interesting to, to, and I still remember that because like, the image changed for them, right? Because they, they had this, obviously they had this idea what it, what they thought it was. And then when they saw us playing, it was like, it blew away that idea that that it's not this weird cultish thing. It's just, you know, <laughs> people getting around the table and telling stories and having fun and interacting with each other, which I think is an interesting part of the, of the dynamic of D&D. Somebody on YouTube was saying that, in an age where people are looking at their phones and looking at their tablets and not interacting with each other, D&D still gives you that interaction with other people that I think as humans, we still need and crave it if you are just always on your phone kind of thing. I think that's an interesting aspect, too. I agree. <laughs> so personally, I think I'll talk about how things have changed for me. Or how the impact, I, I think I'm better at critical thinking than I would have been without D&D. Because uh, D&D puts you in situations that you, you have to think about, like that you never that would never happen in the real world. It gives you puzzles to solve or things to figure out with your friends. And then everybody comes up with different ideas and you pick the best one, right? Or you pick one of them. It may not be the best. Uh, along with that critical thinking is collaboration, right? Working with people to solve a problem. Now... Back in the day when we were kids, every problem was a nail and we were hammers. So we killed everything, right? <laughs> that solved the problem. That solved a lot of problems. But as we as we grew older, uh, that didn't work as much. And we started think, actually thinking collectively like, okay, let's go around this 
dragon <laughs> we don't want to get killed by and do something else so there was a lot of that critical thinking and collab collaboration as far as thinking together and coming up with a solution to a problem pretty cool kind of useful in the world by the way better vocabulary when i was a kid my vocabulary was pretty good and i and i didn't really notice it because how do you notice your vocabulary is really good unless you take a vocabulary test all the time which we never did we just had spelling tests as i was a kid but like when my son was was a little uh, and he started want, he really wanted to play he learned to read really quickly because he wanted to learn how to read the player's hand not the player's handbook it was, yeah, it was, it was Pathfinder. Pathfinder, yeah. Right, the Player's handbook, yeah. And I remember when he was about, f well, he was about five, five or six. I mean, he might have been younger. No, he was about five or six. And uh, one of our friends came over, and who's a teacher, and, and was listening to him talk. And he goes, he, he has a really good vocabulary. I go, what? What do you mean? Because it was just normal for me, right, the way he spoke, or the words he used. He goes... I go, oh, it's because he listens to us when we're playing games, and, and he's starting to read. He's starting to read, and I told him he needed to you know, be able to read the players, the Pathfinder book, and that thing is huge. And so he was learning to say words and stuff and learning to read words that normal kids wouldn't enter their vocabulary, right? Proficiency. Yeah. Right? That When would a, would a Second grader ever know about proficiency? All kinds of words. Shimitar, right? What the hell is a shimitar? How's that different from a longsword? Well, they have um, pictures. They have pictures and yeah, and armor, right? And you know, if you look at spells, you gotta look at the the the, the wording of the spells. And there's nothing like him and Alan when they're seven or eight, sitting with the Pathfinder book yes. between them, reading things to each other <laughs> and, and figuring out what it meant, yeah. right? And I thought that was really neat. And and you don't realize it when you're growing up that it has that big of an impact on your vocabulary. Well, not only that, if you play with your kids or kids play, you, it does help them in all of the social situations, right. figuring things yes. out, learning how to, to, to work with other people. Knowing your turn. Yeah, knowing when is your turn. All kinds of different All things. kinds of stuff, yeah. And when I ran games for kids at, at, at cons and at, at the game store, it, was like, it wasn't like hurting cats. They were very responsive to... How you wanted the, the table to be run? There was not a lot of talking over each other. Heck, adults are worse than my than the kids that I used to run for. And every game that I ran at the kids' table, uh, whether it be at the con or at the at the game store, it was it was really a pleasant experience. And I think they learned quite a bit, and I learned that kids can really play D and D and play role playing games. And at a very young age, I'm talking kids that were like as young as five to about teenage years. So vocabulary, very interesting. Three, better dealing with situations that occur, right, that, that you're not used to. Uh, I think quit better thinking on your feet kind of thing, right? That kind of evolved from playing role-playing games where you're like all of a sudden your GM springs something on you. And you're like, oh. You don't know what you don't know what, what's going on, or, or or you don't expect it, and you're thrown for a loop, and then you have to figure out how to think. So I think that kind of helps you out in in the real world, right? Well, yeah. Quicker thinking, thinking about things critically, you know, all that is helpful in dealing with the world that we live in. And then, of course, 
There's the life relationships I've made. You know, my brother, I'm very close to my brother, Felipe. I mean, I'm close to my all my brothers. But Felipe, because we play games all the time, we used to. and You still do. And now we still do. I mean, that tells you, I mean, I probably see my brother online, of course, more than I see any other sibling, even siblings that live in my own town. So, and he lives in Portland. And that's because we play games together and that keeps us in communication and talking to each other and stuff like that. Same thing with my friend Mike and Sip and everybody that I used to play when I was in second grade. No. no. When I was in fifth grade or whatever. When I was 11. When I was 11, I played role-playing games, and some of those guys I still know today and still play games today. Uh, Mike, I didn't meet till I was in Pauline Junior High, and he's still my friend, and st- we still talk, and I just visited him in Portland this last uh, summer. So lifelong relationships and positive relationships that we have because of a simple game called Dungeons and Dragons. And I think, you know, a lot of people would would always say that it was like an antisocial game or it was uh, for people who were antisocial. And I'm like, and it just never occurred to me that to be that way. Well, I think that so it's been around for 50 years this year. Yeah. And you've listed a whole bunch of things for that have evolved and changed in that time. Yeah. And also the the aspect of it being a very social game is very true and I think the other thing is is that it's it started there were other games besides Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah. But it kind of brings in people and I was I was hearing someone talk about how it's like the first game that people play, but it's not always the first game that people no. play because like if your dad was playing champions and that's, that's probably the first game you played or, or if you Dungeons and Dragons may not have been the first game that people played cause uh white wolf. What is it? The not white wolf. Yeah. Um, white wolf. Uh, 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 the vampire, vampire and all of those. And the night it, it's the genres that right. people like that might bring them in right. to, um, playing role-playing games but D is one of the oldest ones right yes and it has evolved and changed and grown the hobby oh definitely definitely there's you know, people argue well somebody would have made a role-playing game sooner or later yeah yeah maybe how long would that have been people were thinking about similar things but it just didn't happen right and D was the first and D was popular it became like phenomenal a uh, phenomenal Phenomenal, phenomenon, phenomena, phenomena. It uh, it became really popular in the eighties, <laughs> and there was a little bit of backlash because of the of the of the sinister looking uh, books and stuff like that, and it kind of like dipped a little bit. And the third edition came out. It, I think it brought a lot of people in again. People were playing it. It brought me in to because I like I said I skipped second edition. It brought me back into role-playing and i've been role-playing i never stopped role-playing but i was playing other games right i was playing space opera i was playing dark conspiracy and you're right dnd was my first game but a lot of people their first game is like like you said traveler champions. or champion traveler and like uh, like uh, uh teenage mutant ninja turtles was a was a first game for a lot of kids in the in the that's 90s. a hard one in the 90s because the turtles were right, really popular, really popular, and it was not seen as this like sinister game by right. parents, right? Or you could, or Star Trek was the first one. Or you could play Star Trek, but you can't Star play Wars. D&D. Yeah, you can play Star Wars, but not D and D because D and D satanic, which was a big deal in the eighties in some parts of the country, in the United States, not not to me, but other places, I guess. So, 
things have changed in that sense. And I think D&D was, I mean, when people say, oh, yeah, D&D is the, the, the biggest RPG. But there's a lot of RPGs out there who have also been the first ones to bring players in. Right. And I think D&D is just like the, it's like the, the entry to role-playing games usually, but not all the time. Because some things aren't, some people are not interested in the fantasy element. Interested by science fiction, they're interested in superheroes thing. or Cthulhu myths, right? Yeah, and stuff like that. So, so even though we talk about D and D exclusive, not exclusively, but we talk about D and D's anniversary, D and D has definitely impacted role playing industry. Yes, and continues to do so. Yes, to this day. <laughs> so, happy birthday, D and D, uh, and I'm sure people will keep playing it for a long time. There you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene, and you have a good day.